Welcome to Become an Idol. I'm Dr. Robin Sargent, owner of Idol Courses. This is the place where newbies come to learn and veterans share their knowledge. I have here with me today, Jessica Oberto, and I met Jessica because she was part of the fifth cohort of the Idle Courses Academy, and I just love her story, and so I brought her on to our podcast so that you can hear um, Jessica's story. So Jessica, will you please do a better job of introducing yourself and just tell us a little bit of background of like where you came from and what you did before you joined the Academy? Sure. So I'm going to give you the short version and I'm going to save something for later, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So uh, I joke that I'm an instructional designer by accident and you will, will see why very soon here, but um, I'm originally from Brazil, born and raised there, spent my whole life there. Uh, and I feel like I've had two lives. So, <laughs> and that's because when I was in Brazil, I had no clue uh, that something called instructional design even existed. Uh, And then I went to school for journalism there, got my bachelor's, and I worked for many years in marketing and communications uh, and sales. Uh, But I was never super happy. He always felt like, you know, that didn't add much value or purpose to my life. Um, So when I moved to the U.S. in 2017, uh, That's when I started my new life. (laughs) And that's when I felt like I needed to reinvent myself. And that's when it all began for me in the instructional design world. So I have a lot to tell you. And I'll I'll save this, the the whole story for your next questions, Robin. But that's a little bit of of how I got here. Okay, so you uh, moved from Brazil to the US and you're ready for your transformation. And so what was kind of your, your first stop? Yeah. So interesting because I started working for this company uh, with employee engagement initiatives, and that was very much like an internal communications role since that was my background. And um, at the time in my department was responsible for employee onboarding, which was a huge coincidence. So that's how I started getting more into this training universe. And our new hire onboarding program at the time was not great. And I was tasked with revamping it because basically they wanted something that was more related to the culture of the company and just, you know, have some engaging activities. And since I worked at that department, that was their major uh, vision. So that's actually when I started working at that program, that's when I fell in love with L&D and realized it was a world full of possibilities. Um, I always appreciated having the opportunity to express my creativity at work. And that was one of the, those opportunities for sure. So after working on that program, I realized I needed more of that in my, my life. It was just too good for me, too good to be true. So I needed more of that. And that's when I started pursuing this career. So that was my first stop, uh, really. And that really uh, opened my eyes for, for what LNG and I will not even say instructional design here because uh, 
I, I still didn't know much about instructional design at that time, but it wasn't easy at that company, right? Because I had no experience in the field. Uh, when I started wanting to really understand more about L&D, I did feel some resistance uh, from the people uh, because, uh, you know, I was new, I didn't know much. And for them to let me into the L&D field, uh, they would have to almost stop what they were doing. And they had so much work at the time. They just didn't have time to teach a new person how to do the things. So um, they were all great folks, but uh, I, I, I think the thought of hiring someone that would have to be ramped up didn't sound like the best idea. So I tried to get into that department, but at the time I just, they just didn't have the opportunity for me. So I did the best with what I could. And I was offering my help whenever I could. I was learning from their, uh, their step-by-steps and just observing their best practices and slowly finding my way into those projects as I was, you know, just being an observer and suggesting some things, having some ideas. So eventually I was able to start participating more actively and really getting the experience I needed to take my next step. Uh, I remember at the time, things were so new to me that, like I said, instructional design was still a very mysterious feud. And I still remember that one of those people in the L&D department said to me that instructional designers were nerds and that <laughs> this was a very complex world. I am glad I did not believe them. <laughs> well, you don't think we're nerdy? Well, so, you know... I- I'll talk a little bit about this later when I started getting into the instructional design world, but just the way that they sold it to me was really bad. It made me think, oh, okay, that's not for me. That definitely, I don't need to learn more about that because I'm not going to work in that field. Uh, So it was just scary in a way, but I think it's very different than that. (laughs) People want to feel important. They want their role to be important. And while you know, instructional design can be complex. It's not something that you can't learn how to yeah. do. Yeah, absolutely. And I got to be honest with you, maybe, and I don't know this for a fact, but maybe it's just because they didn't even know much about instructional design. So they set this as a way of not having to, you know, explain to me what it actually was. So I think sometimes people are just scared because they don't know much. And you know, that happened to me later on. And I'll tell you about that and all of the theory behind instructional design, because that was one of the reasons why I found the academy uh, later on my journey. But I think sometimes people are just scared to say that they don't know. So they make up stories about about that thing, you know. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, too. So you were kind of you know, a little intimidated by what that person said, but you're like, I'm going to push forward anyway, because I really like the work. And so what was kind of your next step after that? Yeah, so well, I'm a very determined person. And I knew that because they didn't have that space for me in that company, I had to go find something that would allow me to have this opportunity and experience. And I really knew at that time that even though that person said that about it being very complex, that this was something that I wanted to pursue because again, I really appreciate being able to use my creativity. And that role was fascinating to me because it really, I, I, I saw that it really allowed for you to create new things. So 
once I felt ready to take on a new challenge, I got a job at this global company. Uh, and let me just pause here to say how important it is to know your accomplishments, be confident and really prepare for the interviews. And we can talk more about this later, but you know, hearing me say that I got this job sounds very easy. But at the same time, as I just mentioned, I didn't really have much experience. So it was all based on, you know, the things that I had accomplished before and just being confident and really preparing for, for those interviews that I could get this job. And trust me, I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, uh, but I knew I needed to be challenged in a way. And uh, this helped me so much. The company was all remote and I had to create online learning for the first time in my life. Mm. Uh, I started with videos and some voiceover PowerPoint slides. And I remember one day I was in Litmus, which was our LMS system at the time. And I saw this course that already came with the platform that had some um, animated characters and some fancy buttons, completely different than everything that I was doing before. And I was just crazy about that. and. I contacted their customer service team to know what type of training that was. I just, I just wanted to know, give me a program, give, give me a, a file name, give me something. And then the customer service rep uh, probably took a couple of days to reply. I feel like that wasn't a very common customer service question <laughs> to ask <laughs> what type of course that is. Um, and then the, he simply said, oh, that is CORM. I was like, oh. wow, what? <laughs> form what is that <laughs> so that was the first time that I heard that weird word and uh then I went search for it right so that's when this new world of possibilities started open uh, opening up for me uh I found out about articulate storyline at that time their community and I was fascinated by everything that I was learning and uh I then told my company that we had to get Storyline and I had no clue how to use that tool, but I had to justify spending that money on the software. <laughs> Somehow I managed to do that and I convinced them and I started learning Storyline and that was like being in an amusement park, honestly. It was so scary because I had no clue of what that tool looked like, what I was looking at but it was so much fun. Uh, and then I remembered that person telling me that instructional designers are nerds. And I definitely felt like one just by, you know, going over all of those variables and all of those things that, you know, storyline uh, allows you to do. So um, yeah, that's, that, that was my next step. And I learned so much of that company so much by, having to just get things done. And I was by myself. I was the only person in LND. And that was a huge challenge, but one that really shaped, you know, my career after it, moving forward, because I, I really fell in love with online learning after that. So what, what kind of, I mean, you're already an idol. You've, you've had like, kind of like an informal instructional design role, and then you had a more formal one. Cause that one that we were talking about, Jessica, you were actually called a training manager, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, 
And so then what made, what led you to the Academy? Why'd you say like, and I'm going to get some more education, not a master's degree, but what, how did that work out? And I love that you asked this question right now, because this is the perfect timing, because that's exactly when the Academy uh, shows up for me. Um, so once I started creating my courses and really, really getting good at storyline, um, I realized that if I wanted to keep growing, I needed more because with the backgrounds that I just told you and the story that, that I was just telling you, um, I realized I was getting really good in the execution portion, but I had minimal foundation or theory behind what I was doing. I never went to an instructional design course. I didn't really know many people in the field. Like I said, this was a very lonely position. I was by myself, the company before people didn't have much time to really be with me and, you know, talk about the theory and all of those things. So I had never studied uh, adult learning theories, nor had no idea what Bloom's taxonomy was or Kirkpatrick. Um, and I, I said to myself, if I want to grow, if I want to keep doing this, I really need to learn more. And that's when I found the Academy. Uh, I remember doing some research, uh, seeing what I wanted to do at the time. I did not have uh, the money to do a master's uh, degree, to get a master's degree. And that was not really my goal either. I wanted something quicker that would allow me to really learn about those aspects that I was missing. And that would also allow me to get some um, opportunities to connect with other folks. So that was one of the major things, like I said, since you know, it's usually very lonely in, in, in the instructional design world. You're usually working by yourself. I really felt the need to, to connect with some folks and just, you know, see what other people were doing, uh, see what was out there. So that's when I found the Academy. And I am so grateful I did um, because that really transformed a lot of things for me. That's when I started learning about all of those theories that I didn't have. I started getting the foundation that I didn't have. But I think above all, it made me feel even more confident about my ability to make things happen for me. Um, I think it's very common when we talk about this frequently to have that imposter syndrome. And even though, you know, from my, from this little beginning that I just told you about, it feels like I was very confident. I knew, and, and this is not a matter of confidence or not, but I knew that I didn't know much. I knew that this is something that I really wanted, so I couldn't be afraid, but I knew that I needed more. And I think the Academy allowed me to feel like I had that base and that I was ready to take on my next challenge. Um, so that, that was extremely helpful. And, you know, we can talk about all of the advantages later and all of the, the things I'm grateful for and all of the value that I've got that I don't think can be measured from the Academy. Uh, but that was a, a very transformative time. And I wasn't even, to be honest with you, when I joined, I wasn't even necessarily thinking about um, being at a different company or, or getting a new job necessarily. I wanted to be better at what I was doing, but just by learning more and by doing more and by feeling more confident uh, that 
led me to a new job, which is pretty awesome. So, so that's, that's how I found the Academy. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, and so that was a June, 2020 cohort. That's the fifth Mm -hmm. cohort. And then, so you were, you were building an amazing portfolio. I'm definitely linking to your portfolio, jessicaoberto.com. You can go check it out. I mean, you did amazing work in the Academy. And so what, when was it that you decided like, okay, I got my portfolio up. I've, I've learned some new things. Maybe I'll throw some applications out there. How long after enrollment did that happen? Well, so I started doing that. And then I, I am always around. I'm always looking at resources, looking at LinkedIn, you know, just staying up to date. I think that's one of the biggest tips that I can give to anybody that's new to the field is things are constantly changing. So you got to just be around, you got to be seen, you got to see other people, what they are doing. And I was just, you know, around LinkedIn, just casually looking. And then I, so the, I feel like now we're opening the, my book and the chapter that we're looking at is the job of the fortune one, right? So open the book there. And because now I had this solid instructional design foundation, and I felt like I I had all of the the tools that I needed, um, I decided to challenge myself once again. So I had all these people on my LinkedIn, and I found this hiring manager that was posting this job. And I just decided to contact him. I said, hey, uh, I wanted to reach out. I'm interested in, in this position that you just posted. And don't get me wrong. I didn't even think that he was going to reply. I was applying for the Fortune 1, and I didn't even have that much experience. So I thought, you know, this is, uh, I'm going to try and see what happens. And then I asked him a question about his organization because I wanted to show interest, but I also wanted to kind of continue the conversation and see if he would reply. And he actually did. He replied with a little bit about his organization and kind of welcoming me to apply for that job. So immediately I went in there and I applied for that job. And I said, you know, uh, what will happen will happen. It's meant to be. So I just applied. And not long after that, I I actually got a call from uh, the recruiter for the first round of interviews. And I remember this interview was on a Friday, the one that I had with the recruiter. And she asked at the end uh, for a link to my portfolio. So I panicked at that time because thanks to IDO, I did have a website created. I had a couple of pieces that I put in there. But it wasn't a portfolio that I was proud of yet because he had some stuff, but I was working on so many other things that that still needed some work. So it was kind of all fast. I think this was around probably July or August. So it was shortly after I joined the academy. So I told her that I was going to send the link to her on Monday. And oh, my God, that was probably one of the hardest uh, working weekends of my life. Because my goal was to wow them. So now I had to come up with the training idea, develop it, and, and post the training to the website. And I spent all weekend working on two or three additional uh, assets. And, and that was very, very intense. But on Monday, I was ready to send the link to her. And then, well, guess what? I went on having three rounds of interview uh, interviews. And 
they liked my portfolio. But guess what happened after those three rounds of interviews where I felt like I did great and they really liked my portfolio? Well, I did not make it. I did not get the job. One day I wake up and I see an email on my inbox saying, thanks for applying. We decided to choose a different candidate. <laughs> I, was, I was feeling so confident about that job and everything you know, that I had done. And that was tough to see. So the first thing I did, my instant reaction was to send an email to the department director, which was one of the people that I had interviewed with to ask for feedback, right? Because I, I really wanted to know what I could have done better. And well, I was very surprised when she said they were really impressed by my portfolio specifically, and they wanted to, in fact, uh, offer me a different position. So I was stoked and that's how I ended up where I am today. And I think that just proves the importance of having a portfolio, but also to, um, trust yourself, you know, at that moment, when I got that email saying that I didn't get the job, I really felt bad. It was a tough time because I really felt like I, I, I did well, but I feel like I self-doubted, you know, myself. I, I, I didn't think that maybe I was capable of, of getting this job. And then when they contacted me again, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know what? I actually did a good job. It was just a different position they wanted to offer me. So that's a little bit of how, you know, and, and just a proof too that the first no sometimes is not, doesn't mean that you're not good enough. You're going to get your yes eventually. Well, that is so wild. I mean, do you think, how scary for you that they would send you a rejection yet hire you for something else? Do you think it was because of your initiative? Were you asked for feedback that they said, oh, we have this other job or did they plan on offering you that? Cause you got a training manager role for this mm -hmm. one too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you were applying for just a individual contributor role mm -hmm. at first. Yeah. So did they tell you like at the end of the day, like what actually happened there? Well, yes. And, and that's why I said the portfolio, I think was a big piece. So the the names of the positions were not very clear and that usually happens when it's such a huge company right it's hard to really describe what a position is about so the first position that i applied for actually uh was way more uh leadership than it was executing so it was more focused on managing a team instead of actually being an instructional designer and managing a team um so because they saw my portfolio and when they interviewed me, they heard my desire for working on execution because that's something that I really, you know, even if I keep growing, I never want to move away from creating courses and executing because that's what I really love doing. Because they heard that and because they saw my portfolio and the potential that the portfolio had, um, they wanted to hire me for an instructional designer position. So the, the one that I was applying for at the beginning had more, more leadership than he had any design or any development. So they wanted to just offer me something that was more in line with what I was looking for and what they thought that I could do better. So um, that's why the, the, the portfolio played a big, big role in, in this uh, hiring process. Oh, that's so wild. And so 
and they were going to offer you that other job, even if you didn't reach out to them? Or do you think it was because you reached out to them after they sent you that rejection letter? That's a good question. You know, I, I don't know, but we don't know. We don't know, but I would say always reach out because even if, you know, they are not offering you a different job or something, at least you know what you could do better next time. And I think just like I said, I sent the hiring manager a message on LinkedIn asking about the position and asking about specifically his department. I think even if you're not necessarily getting something, if you can create those relationships and start building those, that network, uh, that is really important because, you know, you're going to be remembered eventually. Your name, somebody's going to hear your name and they're going to say, oh, yeah, I feel like I've heard that name before. I've talked to that person before. So even, you know, don't focus on just getting something out of it necessarily. Sometimes all you have to do is just build the relationships, get, you know, your name to be heard and seen, and eventually things will start working out for you. Was that that same weekend that you were working on your website and you couldn't get something to fix, fix? And I like literally was like, give me a password. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Yes. I was desperate. I needed to make that work and it needed to be right now. So yeah, that was a lesson learned. I should have been working on that before, but you know, everything ended up working out. And I got to say many people that I talk to instructional designers, they do not have a portfolio. and that's scary to me because, you know, as a person that hires instructional designers now, I can tell you that that's your, like, that's the window to your work, right? That's how you express yourself. That's how I know that the work that you are doing is compatible uh, with what I'm looking for. So I, it's not that I don't trust people that don't have a portfolio, but if you do have a portfolio, that definitely puts you ahead. Um, and I think a lot of people are running behind because they don't have that. So they can't really showcase their work. And it's something so easy. And in the academy, you have all of the steps that you need to make that happen. And I think it's absolutely necessary to be competitive in this field. For sure. And so, I mean, I, you were pretty surprised by your, uh, by your jump in, uh, in salary. Is that right? I mean, it was, yeah. could you, did you think about it in percentages at all? Yeah. Well, so I'm in California, so things are a bit different, but, um, it was a big jump. It was probably, a a 50% raise that I got at the time, especially honestly, um, the difference of working for a big company is that you have a lot of benefits. So that was one of my things. I like working for startups and, and small companies too. But what I felt different with working just for a big corporation is that because they're so huge, uh, you have, you know, multiple benefits and, and everything is great. So I think, you know, if you speak in terms of benefits, it was even a, a bigger uh, bump because... I, I have so much more than what I had before. And this, I'm not going to lie. Of course, this was one of the reasons why I wanted to keep growing and apply for 
for other jobs is to get more money. Uh, and that's okay to say that, you know, as yeah. long as you have a, a purpose, another a, a, a purpose to actually want to work for that company or uh, you're happy with the work that you're doing. Um, but I would say that, yeah, it, it made a big difference and a big impact in, in my life, uh, the benefits that I, that I got from that, from that change. Oh my gosh. And so now you've been with them for almost a year, no yeah. a year in August or something. Yeah, it's been almost a year. I actually started in October there. So the process took a little bit, uh, took some time. Um, but it's so crazy because so much happens in a fortune one company and it's it, it feels like I've been there for a long time at the same time it feels like I just joined because there is so much to learn and there are so many people that we impact and I think that you know just to tie back to what I was saying at the beginning because I was missing that purpose uh with the marketing and communications background that I had I think I found that purpose with um, instructional design and, and learning and development, because really you see the impact, even if it's, you know, on a person's job or how they are executing a certain action and you help them just improve that or make that better. I really find purpose uh, for my life and in working in that field and, you know, being able to impact so many people because my company we have 2 million, around 2 million employees, a little bit more than that. Oh my it's gosh, just is that how many insane. there are? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's insane. It's, are we not allowed amazing. to mention the company's name? We just say Fortune One? I'm going to say Fortune One because if you look online, <laughs> you're going to find what that one is. So I'm just going to leave it at a Fortune One. But I yeah, like it. it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome company. It's an awesome environment. And I, I mean... I can't, when I say this out loud, I can't barely believe that I worked there, but that just proves to me. And I think my story can also help the ones that think that they might not be good enough or that this is a very distant dream, uh, that everything is possible. Uh, if you trust yourself, if you work hard, if you, you don't have to have absolutely everything. You don't have to be the expert. You don't have to be the best professional out there, as long as you have the confidence, as long as you put in the work, uh, as you, you know, you, you talk to people, you connect with folks, you know what you're doing. It's possible for everyone. You can work wherever you want. You can do whatever you want. If you really want it, just go for it. So now we've talked a lot about your, um, awesome portfolio. So I'm sure that some people are starting to think like, well, what kind of things did you put in your portfolio and what do you think made your portfolio stand out? Yeah. What, what do you think <laughs> the answers might be there? So as I said, I'm, I'm really passionate about online learning and I really love uh, design. Uh, and also recently I read that book from Kathy Moore, Map It. And that really transformed how I approach my courses. So really when I think I'm doing my portfolio or any courses, I don't just focus on 
putting the information there and, and that's it. But I really focus on how to make it more interactive and more uh, interesting for the learners. And I think one of my strengths too, and how, you know, how I manage to be somewhat successful in what I'm doing is because I really put myself in the other person's shoes. Sometimes I have to take courses myself and I'm like, this is really boring. And <laughs> I'm not reading anything about this course. I'm not, you know, and sometimes even if you use fancy tools, uh, doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're doing a great job because, you know, let's, I, I like using Rise as an example. I love the Rise uh, um, tool. I, I love, you know, how you can structure courses and it's beautiful. It's very nice, but it's also very easy to overwhelm your learners with text in Rise if you're not worrying about, you know, the, the extra stuff that you're putting in there. So I would say sometimes, even if you use PowerPoint, you can do an awesome job. It's not about the tool. It's about what structure are you using? What are you trying to achieve with that training? Have you put yourself in the person's shoes, uh, in the learner's shoes to really understand if you were them, how would you make this training interactive? How would you make this training engaging? And I think that's what I try to do. So I think in my portfolio, not only I worry about the design of the course, because I, I just love it. I think it's very important to have like a beautiful uh, platform, but also um, is this boring? Am I just reading or I, am I actually participating in my learning experience? And this is what I try to bring to the table when I'm creating my courses is I try to have the learner pick their own journey kind of and, and really participate in their experience and be responsible for their own, you know, learning. So I, I think those are, are some of the major things that I try to do. Do you think that your visual design improved during the academy or do you think you've always just kind of been talented that area or and if it didn't improve, in what ways did you kind of work on enhancing your visual brand? Oh, absolutely. I still have, I still think that I have a long ways to go there. Uh, I, sometimes when I see, you know, examples from other people, I just am amazed by how well they do things. And I think that's another tip too, is just find people that uh, can inspire you. Um, and I think, you know, I found my people, I found the people that I like, uh, looking at what they're putting together because it's similar to what I would like to accomplish. And those people are not like, oh, you got to follow X, Y, and Z because it might be helpful for my style, but maybe your style is, you know, uh, compatible with the different persons. And, and, and that's that person that you have to follow. So find the people that inspire you and that create courses that are in line with what you like and what you want to uh, achieve. Um, being able to see other people's work really helped. And even in the academy, just having our, our community and our groups and being able to see what they put together, how they think about their courses. I remember uh, seeing a course about Poison Ivy in the academy that was created by Jessie, and I forget her last name, but... Matheson. Yeah, there you go. So I remember that course specifically because to me, 
that was very, very interesting to see how her brain worked when she was, you know, putting that structure together. And, and, and that's exactly the types of courses that I like to create, what I was talking about, experiential learning. Uh, it's not just you telling learners what, what they have to do, it's you showing them and having them engage and participate in the experience. So, you know, uh, I think it's very important to watch what other people are doing and adding your personal touch to the thing. So not for me, the academy, not only, you know, watching what other people are doing, but also finding those people that inspire you. And of course, you know, in the visual design field, just staying up to date. Again, everything can be an, an inspiration, anything and everything. Uh, you can be walking on the street and see a tree that might be inspirational. <laughs> it's just, you know, you never know where that will come from. Just take notes of things that you like or create a mood board and, and have your inspirations in there. Uh, eventually you will use them. So yeah, just, just this network has been really, really helpful to me. I love it. Okay. So Jessica, what is your best and final piece of advice for those who want to become instructional designers? Honestly, um, if I were to pick one thing to tell everyone, I would say never stop learning. Um, and I think a lot of us are passionate about learning because, you know, we do that for a living. We do that for others, but things are constantly changing, not only in our field, but in the world. And we are impacted and we also impact those things. So you have to stay up to date or you will be left behind. I can promise you things are just going very fast. Uh, don't ever think that you know everything. And I think that's one of the only reasons why I kept growing is because I always understood that there's more that I need. I still think that there's a lot that I need to learn. Um, so always have this mindset of keep learning, keep finding people that inspire you, keep finding uh, information, keep learning about new theories that come up and, you know, what new people are doing in the field and and just stay up to date don't just focus on your thing and do your your job because i think again this can be a very lonely field and a lonely job that you perform make sure you you just you know see what's going on around you see what other people are doing connect with them participate in discussions just keep learning keep your brain active keep just just keep yourself, just put yourself out there and, and absorb what other people are, are putting out there too, would be my biggest advice. I think keep learning is an excellent piece of advice. That's good. Thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story and giving your advice. And um, so do you have any ideas for what's next? Are you just going to keep working where you are and, and, and find out later? Oh, thank you so much, Robin. I, I don't know what's next. I know that I will always keep growing because that's like my mantra is keep growing, keep swimming, like Dory from Finding Nemo would yeah. say. <laughs> uh, so I'm just going to keep swimming, doing my thing, learning, uh, and then, uh, you know, not missing out on opportunities that I see. So 
who knows where life might bring me what the next chapter of my of my book will be but then I guess you know wherever that takes me we'll talk again and I'll let you guys know what happens oh my gosh well thanks again (laughs) Jessica I really really appreciate you and all this um and the story that you've shared thank you so much Robin thank you so much for listening you can find the show notes for this episode at idlecourses.com If you like this podcast and you want to become an instructional designer and online learning developer, join me in the Idle Courses Academy where you'll learn to build all the assets you need to land your first instructional design job, early access to this podcast, tutorials for how to use the e-learning authoring tools, templates for everything course building, and paid instructional design experience opportunities. Go to idlecourses.com forward slash academy and enroll or get on the wait list. Now get out there and build transcendent courses.